0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rogers. in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in? Him? In the end zone. It is caught for the win. Pressure. Pass is picked off. And who is it? Big BJ Raji for the touchdown.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Packs What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined, as always, by Perry Goldstein. And we will be in the same vicinity on our way to Lambeau Field within... We'll be in Green Bay within 48 hours of recording this. So we'll be together in, like, 24 hours. Um, lots of excitement on the podcast today. Uh, Perry, the game week one sucked. So... Yes. Give me your quick thoughts before we dive in. How can week two be better outside of just, you know, us being at Lambo and them winning?
0: Um, pretty much everything that the Packers <laughs> did week one. If they don't do that week two, they'll be fine. That's a cop-out answer. Um, but it is accurate. But it's accurate. Except special teams. Special teams did great. I should say great. Special teams were competent, so special teams <laughs> can stay. Um Look, I think that it's a there's no better matchup for the Packers to bounce back from than the lie, a very bad Lions team at home in front of a home crowd. So I think that that bodes well. We know how well Aaron Rodgers plays at Lambeau in September. September in general is a very good month, usually, for the Packers, save from last week. Um, I think that. The Packers did not play their brand of football against the Saints. They didn't come out with the offense that we know and love that works well. Um, we got to keep Aaron Rodgers playing in structure, in the pocket, no more hero ball, no no more trying to catch up from behind. Um, And the defense just needs to get a couple third down stops, like not asking a lot.
1: Yeah, so let's dive into that a little bit. Friend of the show Andy Herman put out a really good video early this week. If you haven't watched it yet, I highly recommend you do that. I'm um, taking a deeper dive into cover 2, kind of what Aaron Rodgers was referring to when he said that the Saints defense played a lot more cover 2 and how historically an offense can attack that. And I think what was so interesting about, you know, hearing all the players talk about cover 2 is Mallow Flores' typical style of offense aligns very well with beating cover two. So the fact that they rolled out 11 personnel, I thought was really interesting because historically that's not how you'd want to attack a cover two defense in the first place. And if you're listening and you're unfamiliar cover two just means that you have basically two safeties deep splitting the field in half, each taking one side, covering the two halves of the field. So what are your thoughts on that? Like, you know, I guess, you know, you kind of said it already, like wanting the offense to look more like a Matt Lafleur offense. We want to see other playmakers get involved. You know, what should the offense be doing differently against this Lions defense that is not as good as the Saints defense?
0: Yeah. So I think that's the first point, right? Which is that the Saints defense is actually fairly stacked at all position groups. And while their corners were hurt. They still had Marshawn Lattimore out there. So when you have a shutdown corner like that, it it, it's the same as Jair. It still gives you some level of flexibility. The lions don't have that. Um, They have a decent defensive line in, you know, Michael Brockers, Trey flowers, who now that I'm looking at are actually both questionable. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Jeff Okuda just went on IR, right. Season ending injury with an Achilles tear. So it's, Fatu Melifanwu and Amani Oru would I'm not even gonna try.
1: Oruwarie.
0: Oruware. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> As we all know, pronunciations are not my strong suit. I'm sorry. Their safeties are Will Harris and Tracy Walker the third. So the personnel that they're going up against, even if they play cover two are likely not going to be able to cover the Packers' offense as well as the Saints' defense did. That being said, I think the Packers need to run the ball a lot more effectively and a lot more often. Um, utilize Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon was able to really pound through that Saints' defensive line on Sunday, yet he didn't get nearly as many touches as, she, as he should. Like I think they just need to run the ball down the Lions' throats And take back the time of possession. Because that was the other, I think, major problem is that the Packers could not keep the ball at all. The defense was giving up really long 15 play drives to the Saints. They were gassing themselves out. And the Packers were barely getting the ball and barely had time to even do anything on offense. So you can't get into a rhythm that way. So I want long drives run the football, utilize your tight ends, utilize your running backs. If Devontae Adams is going to get double teamed again, look at your other wide receivers. There's a lot of weapons that Matt Lafleur can use. I just, I don't want to see more like forcing the ball to Devontae in double coverage hero ball from Aaron Rodgers.
1: Yeah, and I think that's one of the things too that was so surprising about, and I know sometimes the game gets out of hand and you can't necessarily go with the plan that you originally came into the game with. I get that. Uh, But I think that's what was so weird about Matt Lafleur and the use of 11 personnel so much is that when you think about like – Right, and when you think about like how you can beat or I guess make a defense stay more honest, it's things like Randall Cobb in the slot. Like you're taking chunks and you're trying to open up the middle of the field so that you do have an MBS or an Adams deep shot, and those things do work. And when you're only playing 11 personnel, like it's not – gonna make the defense feel like they're being challenged so I thought that was really weird and I again I get it you know they fell behind early Um, so I agree with you 100% about the running backs Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon had 28 yards on the ground in a combined nine attempts obviously has to be better there Um, but let's talk about the offensive line a little bit because Lucas Patrick is obviously in concussion protocol he has until Monday to be activated from the protocol so it's possible that he can still play but what do you think about the offensive line do you think they just slide in John Runyon Jr or do you think they shuffle things even more I don't want to see more shuffling I think the offensive line by
0: all counts actually played fairly well against the Saints so if it's working, don't change more. If you can slide in John Runyon Jr., who was in competition for that starting role during camp anyway, do that. Don't move Billy Turner around. Don't try to put Royce Newman anywhere new. He Belton Jenkins out at left tackle because he looked perfectly comfortable there last weekend. Like I think consistency here, especially for two rookies on that line, are going to be really, really important.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I know there was some thought about, you know, maybe sliding Elton Jenkins to, you know, back in his spot at left guard, putting in like Dennis Kelly at right tackle, moving Billy Turner to left tackle. I think that's too much. And I think honestly, kind of the narrative that we're starting to see is it is possible that Elton Jenkins does not return to the interior of the line. When David Bakhtiari is healthy at left tackle, it's possible that their best lineup is David Bakhtiari at left tackle and Elton Jenkins at right tackle. And, you know, as far as like the Packers pocketbook, that's unfortunate when you have to think about what you pay a guy like that. But that could be the case. So I think I, I agree with you 100%. You don't worry about that right now. And you just try to minimize the shifting as much as possible.
0: The only time I, the only thing that I would counter that with is that Elton Jenkins is so good at run blocking in the interior. And, so many of Aaron Jones, huge chunk play runs come from running behind Elton Jenkins. So I hope that the Packers don't lose that when they keep him out at tackle.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. You know, especially, I mean, if you're looking at like a zone running scheme, that is kind of interesting. Is like, how do you align your offensive linemen in a way that is more productive? Because it is, like you said, more than just pass blocking. So a good yeah. point, Perry Goldstein. Anything Thank else you, you want to talk about on the offense? Yeah, I think my only
0: my only additional thought is and I understand that it's hard to add creative wrinkles when you're down by multiple scores. But the Packers really got away from their pre-snap motion in the game against the Saints. And if you look at the statistics, I don't have them pulled up specifically in front of me right now. But if you look at the statistics on successes with the Packers offense, when there's pre-snap motion versus none. They're pretty staggering. So I just, and it it goes with the theme of like getting back to what they do well. I hope that Matt Lafleur stays with the pre-snap motion, the end arounds, the jet sweeps. They have better personnel now to like execute those. So don't lose what works well and keeps defenses on their toes, especially going up against a Lions defense that we know, I don't know in this new era, if they're going to keep it for, but for the longest time, this Lions defense played man to man, like 99% of snaps. So when you know what you're going into and you can use that motion to figure out, you know, which defenders on which offender (laughs) that doesn't go well, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like, use that. It's a tool that works well for the Packers offense. And it's especially, especially efficient against the Lions defense.
1: Yeah. And you know, that Lions defense, there are some players on there like playmakers, but a lot of it is like we said earlier, kind of unproven at this point and their inside linebackers are good, but it's not like, you know, the Buccaneers or, you know, even like Eric Kendricks with the Vikings, where there is, a player that you feel kind of dominates the middle of the defense. Um, Alex
0: Anzalone doesn't exactly like strike fear into the hearts of
1: right. And Jamie Collins is nine years into the NFL. So, you know, he did, he had three tackles on Sunday. I thought the defense did play well and they stayed in the game against the 49ers. You have to give them credit for that. You know, it did end up being a close game at the end, but I think the key is really going to be, you know, for this offense to get back to what it does well. And before we switch to the defense, you know, I've been thinking a lot this week about the fact that the Packers, every time they have like a clunker, it's always against a team that they end up obviously seeing in the playoffs. And then they have a bounce back game where, you know, they normally win by multiple scores and the bounce back games are always against very mediocre teams. It was the Panthers a couple of years ago. You had the giants, the Texans last year. Yeah. So it's like, I get that, you know, there's been some comments about um, like, what does that really prove to your team? But I don't think you want to go into a game and lose to the saints and then have to go play Tampa Bay. Like, I don't think you want there to be a challenge right away as you're trying to get your groove back as a team. So I know that everybody's like, well, it's just the lions going into Monday night, but I think that's a good thing. And not that you want to sleep on the lions. It's still a division opponent, but these are the kind of games that you need because then you've got the 49ers and then you've got the Steelers. So those are two very good playoff caliber teams. I agree with you hundred percent. All right. So let's talk about the Packers defense now um, outside of what can you fix everything? Because that, you know, is the starting answer. The Lions have some good players on offense um, and we'll see, you know, them utilized in a bunch of different ways. So what are your keys going into this? Any matchups you're most excited about or just holistic changes that you need to see from Joe Barry?
0: Yeah. I'm going to go with some holistic changes. Um, I have a handful, one of which is like, where do I even start? Okay. First, I want to see Eric Stokes play more. I think if you're going to give rookie a rookie player, rookie corner more snaps, this is a good game to do it. Right. Again, it's not the Buccaneers and a high flying offense and tons of wide receivers to cover. It wasn't that last weekend either, but that's neither here nor there. Like, give Stokes the opportunity to continue to improve upon what he showed last weekend, especially since Kevin King again came out and looked like Kevin King, which is liability on one side of the field. Um, I want to see, look, if the Packers are going to continue to play this like softer zone, don't give up the big play, then at least keep everything in front of them, at least tackle ahead of the third down, right? It's almost become like if it's third and one, it's an automatic conversion for the other team. Like, let's try to make some stops. The third thing is, unfortunately, we got news today that Z'Darrius Smith was put on IR. That's obviously, you don't need to know a lot about football to understand that that's bad for the Packers. Defense, bad for the pass rush, bad for the team as a whole. He is easily the most dominant Honestly, he's easily the most dominant player on that Packers defense full stop and can really impact a game single-handedly. And so losing that is hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. We're going to need Joe Barry to dial up pressure using Rashawn and Preston and other players. Kenny from the interior, sure. But like pull this is this is what I think like where Savage and Amos and Jair are this is what you want from them right in their additional athletic skill sets, pull them in for some safety or cornerback blitzes, like utilize them in pressure packages. Even some of the linebackers, pull in Oren Burks who can like really shoot gaps and use his athletic ability to help generate pressure. And hopefully, cause you're never going to fill the hole that Zedarius has, but hopefully do your best to like mitigate losing him because let's be honest, Jonathan Garvin and Chauncey Rivers are not, if you just put them in and expect them to produce in the same way that Zedarius is, you're going to be disappointed.
1: Yeah. And I think that's really hard too, is, you know, Jacob Westendorf and I talked about this quite a bit in the off season and it was, yeah, the edge rush position for the Packers is probably arguably their best. Like as far as, you know, depth is concerned, having a vast number of contributors, but we always said, like, if you lose one, that changes drastically. Because in today's NFL, you need three really good edge rushers. Well, now you're down to Darius Smith. You've got Preston Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary having to play probably more than you would want them to as far as just snap count to make up for that. And then it's like you said, you have Chauncey Rivers, you have Jonathan Garvin, and then the Packers just signed Ladarius Hamilton, who has not taken an NFL snap, to the 53. So... It doesn't give you a ton of confidence as far as what the depth is when now you're removing your best pass rusher. And that is an opportunity, of course, for Rashawn Gary to step up. But again, these are only one or two guys. So you're leaning on Kenny. You're leaning on, you know, hoping that Kingsley Kiki and Dean Lowry and Tyler Lancaster have good games, or if Jack Heflin and TJ Slayton get in there, that they're having good games because you're taking, a weakness of a defensive line and making it weaker now without the ability to use the as kind of a roaming um, rusher. So that part is challenging and the Packers do have some really good running backs coming in against their defense. Obviously fan favorite Jamal Williams. You've got Deandre Swift. Both of them had over 100 yards from scrimmage. Um, they basically were the offense with DJ sure. Hawkinson and a top 10 by PFF standards, a top
0: 10 offensive line. The Lions low-key have a very, very solid offensive line. And you can scoff at Goff, haha, um, <laughs> but he can manage a game just fine and lean on the playmakers you just outlined in Swift, Williams, and Hawkinson.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, if you look at their wide receivers, it's it's really questionable. You've got Tyler Tyrell Williams and Khalif Raymond. You've got Quintez Cephas, former Badger. Ross St. Brown is there, EQ's brother, but... They really weren't seeing too many targets. Khalif Raymond led their receiving core with 50 yards on three receptions. It really was the running backs and then TJ Hawkinson at almost 100 yards. So Paul Brettel of Cheesehead TV, Deerland Express, he's everywhere. Um, he wrote an article today about how Chris Barnes and Devondre Campbell are going to have to have really big games. And absolutely. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the inside linebackers and just the middle of the defense in general.
0: That's exactly where my head was going as well, because when you hear TJ Hawkinson and you think about just utilizing him to attack the middle of the field, my first thought is that's exactly what the Lions should do, because that's where the Packers are weakest on defense.
1: Yeah. And where my head goes, and I think you'll like this, is the Adam Troutman tried to convert third down with Eric Stokes. So I don't know if we're going to see that as a potential package in Joe Barry's defense, you know, kind of to maybe put some help at the middle of the defense when you've got Stokes and King on the boundary and then you've got Jair and Sullivan in the slot. However, he decides to do that. There are packages at Joe Barry's disposal. He has the playmakers to do it. Um, We talked about Devondre Campbell a little bit on the live show. Just, you know, think some growing pains happening with the new defense. Um, But what are your thoughts about going forward? I mean, do you still like the tandem of Campbell and Barnes? Is it too soon to think about making a change? Are there guys you want to see more from? Because I personally would like to see a little more Oren Burks. I think he's the speediest. And if you're talking about covering tight ends, he might have the best opportunity to do that. See,
0: when I think about it, I like... I don't want to change too much mm-hmm. too soon. So yeah, keep Campbell and Barnes out there, especially from like a run stopping perspective. They were in there against Camara. I like Campbell on tight ends from a size perspective, but TJ Hawkinson is shifty as well. And so I don't disagree with you that like, I'd like to see Oren Burks in there, but I like, I would like to see them rotate in Oren Burks. Like I just said, in terms of like helping dial up pressure and using his speed to try to get to the quarterback. I know that's not exactly like they tried him an outside linebacker and that was a little bit of a failed experiment, but I do think that there is a way to utilize his speed to affect the pocket and get to Goff. We don't know what he looks like against tight ends or running backs really in coverage because he's barely played there. So I'm not necessarily opposed to it but just skeptical given the lack of data and evidence.
1: Yeah. So I think what's interesting too is like, we're looking at kind of the evolution of defenses and one of the sticking points for Mike Patton was obviously that he played too much dime, And then we just talked about a a package that worked really well against the saints in, you know, like the one thing that looked good and it was a dime package. So it's interesting because I think approaching the lines, you have to take it differently because of their running backs and tight ends. You want, kind of a bigger front you don't want to be in dime you probably want to be a nickel or base but it is challenging then because you're relying on your couple of dbs to make plays um so let's talk about the elephant in the secondary and that's kevin king um what we see moving forward obviously you said you want to see more eric stokes but all right what where do you go from here with kevin king um
0: what i've never really understood is why the Packers don't deploy the Bill Belichick thought process in the secondary, which is, like, allow your top guy to maybe go against their number two. So Jair, I I don't even know who the number two is in the Lions, but just this is less about the Lions and more philosophical, and then have Kevin King get safety support from a guy like Adrian Amos on their number one. I just, I've never understood why the Packers don't deploy that more often because you saw very explicitly against the Saints, Jameis was attacking the half of the field that Kevin King and Shannon Sullivan were on and ignoring the half of the field that Jair and Amos were on because that's the smart thing to do and I would do that and I'm not even an NFL quarterback. So I just – I think I would like to see Joe Barry – utilize his safeties, Savage and Amos, to assist Kevin King in coverage.
1: And I think that's the tricky part, right? is like you get 11 players on each side of the ball, so you have to account for a loss somewhere. Um, So we saw a lot of Adrian Amos dropping into the box to help with the Alvin Kamara and the run support, which is great. But then it's like you said, you're playing single high, Mm And if Adrian Amos is on the opposite side of the field or Henry Black or whoever's back there and Kevin King doesn't have that support, we saw that exploited continuously. So I think Joe Barry has to figure out kind of the best tactic if they are going to religiously keep Kevin King on the boundary. Um, I'm curious, I guess, on Monday, if we see him in the slot at all or if he loses snaps on the boundary and Eric Stokes come in for more plays. Like, I'm just curious to see what his snap count looks like on Monday night.
0: And the thing about when you have a guy like Kevin King is it limits what Joe Barry can do with the rest of the secondary players, because you see Adrian Amos dropping into the box and being very effective. But if you're putting him on basically like babysitting Kevin King, you can't move him down into the box like that. And if you're moving Kevin King potentially into the slot, I don't like that at all. Like I just don't think Kevin, if if Kevin King could play in the slot effectively, I think the Packers would have done that a long time ago. So I don't know if that's something that they would try. I think at the end of the day, you see a limited snap count. I I don't know. And if you don't, I want answers as to why, Um, you know, you drafted this rookie. He played well in his limited snaps put him out on the boundary against a Lions receiving core that isn't very good um, right. or play more nickel or dime packages with Stokes and Henry Black and, or Henry Black in there. Cause they both played well when they were on the field against the saints. Um, I just, it's another, it's another issue when you're putting safety help on your, cornerback two on the boundary and then you can't pull savage down to Lima scrimmage to make plays you can't send him on those corner or safety blitzes like we saw two of them against the saints I just don't like how limiting Kevin King becomes
1: yeah and the thing is too like you know obviously there's growing pains Jair had growing pains every NFL corner worth their salt will have growing pains but what better ga- I literally don't think there's a better game on the schedule to let Eric Stokes get some NFL reps against wide receivers because you don't want that to happen against the 49ers when he's covering Debo Samuel, or you don't want that to happen against the Steelers when he has to pick between, you know, Juju or Chase Claypool. Like the the lions are a very kind of mild receiving core to get your feet wet against. And that's a good time to start exploring some of your packages. And I don't know, we'd have to, I guess, go back and kind of look at some of the snap counts. Vernon Scott is getting healthy and it seemed like Joe Barry was going to deploy more dime with multiple safeties instead of CBs. So that is something that potentially could happen. We could see Adrian Amos in the box and then see a guy like Savage move to the slot, take some of those star snaps. And then have Henry Black and Vernon Scott deep, but you know, that all of that kind of remains to be seen. We'll see what the injury report looks like. Packers should be relatively healthy outside of, of course, Zedaria Smith on IR and then Lucas Patrick and Josiah DeGuara going through concussion protocol. Darnell Savage was listed, but it sounds like the shoulder likely won't keep him out of the game on Monday. Good. (laughs) They're going to need him. Um, Any other holistic thoughts about the matchup score predictions, anything else?
0: I think the way the Packers play in this game is going to be more indicative of the team that we're going to get for the rest of the season than the Saints game. So we will have a firsthand experience as to what that Packers team looks like.
1: Yeah. And week one is always kind of a punch in the mouth. It's, it's a really hard litmus test. You really need a larger sample size. You know, the lions right now are sixth in points for because of their comeback against the 49ers. They obviously put up some points. Is that sustainable for that team? Probably not. So I think that's where things get interesting. Obviously the Packers aren't going to put up three points all season. Rogers isn't going to throw two picks a game all season. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Let's do let's do final score. I gave mine on Pack a Day. I had the Packers winning 31 to 17. You got a score?
0: Um, yes, I think it's gonna be 34-24.
1: Okay, I like it. I think that plus 30 is a nice bounce back for the offense. They're at home, Monday night football against or having fans in the stands for the first time, full stadium since 2019. Um, So lots to be excited about. Lots to be excited about. Uh, Last week, we started our NFL week predictions. Uh, Perry took that eight and eight. I was seven and nine of my predictions. We'll keep track all season just to kind of see um, week two. We obviously didn't record this before Thursday Night Football, but I had – the Washington football team Perry had the Giants very good game honestly a really good game Um, so let's just really kind of run through these and give our predictions for the rest of the schedule you have first Patriots at Jets um I'm gonna take the Pats
0: on this one
1: um yeah I just don't see Belichick losing two division games in a row me either um Broncos at Jaguars Broncos, same. That one seems like cheating. Um, All right, Bills at Dolphins.
0: This is a tough one because the Bills didn't come out looking very good last week, um, and the Dolphins at home is a matchup. Um, I can't see the Bills going 0 and two to start the season,
1: so I'm going to take the Bills, but it's going to be a really close game. same we're in agreement it's just and it's really interesting when some of these teams get division games back to back so early I know we have the Lions coming up at Lambeau Field but then there aren't any division games until kind of the quarter midpoint of the season for the Packers so the AFC East is kind of knocking each other out early Uh, 49ers at Eagles I have the Eagles upsetting the 49ers in
0: this game I love the way Jalen Hurts played I loved how aggressive they came out I think the 49ers have a couple of like eye-popping injuries on the defense so take the Eagles and upset
1: I like that I'm not doing that I'm taking the 49ers (laughs) so this will be our second disagreement of the week um And I know, you know, they did suffer some losses. Uh, Raheem Mostert out the rest of the season, which is unfortunate for them. That team has really abysmal injury luck lately. Um, But I just see this being a really dangerous NFC West. And I think the Niners have to keep pace there, even though it's only week two. Uh, Rams at Colts, another NFC West team. Rams, Colts. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Rams. Same. The Rams looked very good. On Sunday night, yes, it was against the Bears, but um, I'm loving life for Matt Stafford until the Packers maybe have to see him in the playoffs. So until that happens, we'll be happy for Matt Stafford um, seeing him enjoy his success on the West Coast. Um, another really good game, Raiders on Monday Night Football. They are playing against the Steelers at noon in Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah, this is a this is a big one. Um, the loss of Josh Jacobs is, I think, pretty big for the Raiders. And I think the Steelers at home is always a tough matchup. I'm going to go with the Steelers, but I am tempted. I'm very tempted to pick the Raiders after the way
1: they played Monday night. Yeah, I'm going with the Steelers, but I want the Steelers to lose wholeheartedly. Um, Would love it if the Raiders upset them there. I just think Heinz Field is a tough place to play. Um, So that's going to be challenging for the Raiders, but. I agree with you that it'll be close. A Bengals at Bears. This one is tough to me. It's closer than I think it should be.
0: Yeah, I actually um, bet on the Bengals covering this game. Um, I, even though it's in Chicago, I see the Bengals coming out on top. Like a very similar, not similar in like how wild the Monday night—I mean the Thursday night game was—but in terms of like one or two points difference, that's kind of where I see this Bengals, um, Bengals-Bears game
1: going. I'm taking the Bears, and I'm only taking the Bears because I think that Matt Nagy is going to realize his job is not going to make it past the middle of the season if he doesn't put Justin Fields in there mm-hmm. a little more. So I'm not saying he starts week two, but I think that the offense will make a little more sense. Um, mm-hmm. But the Bears defense is not nearly as good as it used to be, which I think is no. – that's you know, a sad day for them.
0: Even if it is a Joe Burrow, Justin
1: Fields game, I'm still taking Joe Burrow. It's fair. Justin Fields is a rookie, but <laughs> all right, Texans at Browns. I mean, the Browns. Thank you. That, there wasn't going to be <laughs> if obvious. the. I love you, Justin McCray, but I have to root against you this week. Uh, Saints at Panthers. Taking the Saints. Not.
0: <laughs> I'm not underestimating the Saints ever again.
1: Yeah, absolutely not. I refuse to say anything mean about them for the rest of at least this season. Uh, Vikings at Cardinals.
0: Cardinals, baby. The Vikings have like four starters out. And Kyler Murray looked like he was a man on a mission last week.
1: Yeah, Cardinals look good. That NFC West is so fun. Like, I love when full divisions are good and it's not your division. Um, not that We have to really worry about that in the NFC North right now. But uh, Falcons at Buccaneers. This one is a layup the bucks. Yeah. I mean, division games are always kind of wonky. This one could be closer than maybe it should be, but definitely the bucks at home Uh, Titans at Seahawks.
0: I think the Seahawks are going to win this one, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I don't think that the way the Titans played last week is indicative
1: of Mm -hmm. the way they're going to play the rest of the season. I agree. I'm taking the Seahawks, but I think it's going to be kind of a bounce back metric for the Titans. And I think that they'll look a lot better than obviously they did week one Um, Cowboys at chargers. This is such a tough one. It's it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a, this is going to be the game of the week. Um, And they did just lose Brian Belaga to IR, which is a bummer. That is a bummer. Um, I'm just
0: going to pick the chargers solely because I like the chargers better. Like there is no, like this is so even last <laughs> I'm just picking from heart and it's the chargers and Justin Herbert.
1: Yeah. I'm taking the chargers too. And I think a lot of it is, you know, yes, they looked really good or Washington actually looked good against the chargers, but I think the Cowboys do not have the defensive firepower to keep Justin Herbert in check. Like Washington maybe did. So taking the chargers and then we all, We obviously both already picked the Packers. So last one, Sunday Night Football, really good game. Chiefs at Ravens. This
0: is, I think, a game that everybody has circled on their calendars. I love this game that happens every year. I can never bet against the Chiefs. I'm taking the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, but I mean, like, let's think about that, right? So if the Chiefs win, the Ravens start the season 0-2. We're talking about the Titans potentially starting the season 0-2. Uh, there's going to be Cowboys really good too. football teams. Cowboys would be 0-2. The Bills can be in that conversation if they lose to the Dolphins. Like they're, they're, They always say it's hard to make the playoffs if you start 0-2, but there could be a lot of very good teams. Or maybe that's telling us that these teams aren't as good as they were projected to be just because they were in the playoffs last season.
0: Yeah, big um, shakeup. A lot of young quarterbacks proving themselves early on.
1: You love to see it. We love to see it. There's a joke there somewhere about Jordan love, but Perry, if everybody listening wants to follow your work, if they don't already, how can they do that?
0: Um, you can just follow me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein, follow the podcast at PWSS podcast on Twitter, Packs what she said on Instagram and Twitch. We will be going live post game together, either probably Tuesday morning after the lions Packers game. Hopefully it's a victory twitch live stream and uh maggie
1: where can everyone follow you you can find me on twitter at maggie J. Loney. i write for Cheesehead tv and then you can also catch me and perry with the pack a day podcast crew um thank you as always for listening to the show remember that you can pick up your very own packs so of she Said merch um through the teespring link in our twitter bio and go pack go go pack go